everyone, this is your host Arezu and welcome back to another episode of Arezu R Podcast. This podcast is available on all sort of platforms, so please make sure to subscribe or follow me on your favorite platform and don't forget to like and comment. I'll be really happy to hear from you. So here I am with another interview. My today's guest is the loveliest Diana Marcieles. She's currently an art director in Pixar Animation Studios, but she's working there since 2012 and contributed in great animations such as Incredibles 2, Inside Out, Finding Dory, Good Night Nassar, and so much more, including the upcoming Pixar animation, Luca. So on this podcast, we are talking about character design, making collages, fashion, and 2D animation, and so much more. So please stay tuned as we are going to hear all about Diana's journey. I'm going to welcome Diana. Thank you so much, Diana, for accepting my invitation. So honored and glad to have you here with me today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Good morning from California. Good morning. So how are you these days? Did you just get used to working from home? Oh, yeah. I think there was a point where it was very, very challenging for me because I I love working with people in person, you know? And when you're making art, it's better to collaborate in person, I think. But I feel like now we have a rhythm. So I've gotten used to it. That's lovely. So I usually start with a little bit of introduction for those people who don't know you yet. So um, I know that you were one of those kind of kids that knew you want to work in animation since second grade, which is crazy. So can you tell me about that? Like, how comes you just knew you want to be in animation industry? So yeah, I, I'm not I don't I you know, I just I just really, really love cartoons like any kid, but I guess I love them to the next level where <laughs> I, I wanted to look into how they were made. And I think it was probably one of my parents who around seven years old, they told me, oh, you know, people make them like like adults make them for, for a living. And I just thought if that is a job, that's the job I want to do. That's lovely. Yeah. Mm. But since the so very beginning, you start just drawing and just being creative. What, what, what kind of things you were mostly interested in to draw when you were a kid? I would mostly draw from uh, to start when I was very young, very, very, very young. Um, my mom said some of my first drawings around like two years old were family portraits. So I would draw Aww. like my dad or you know, like That's any kid, true. right? You yeah. draw the people around you. But uh, I remember my mom telling me that, you know, she noticed though that when I would draw hands, there would be five fingers, you know, <laughs> and, and, and that there was an attention to detail there. Uh, wow. And then I uh, started drawing a lot of fashion. So I started drawing, designing a lot of dresses, like four wow. years old, five years old, always putting diamonds on them and things like this. Then, um, then I got a little older, six, seven, and I started drawing from comics and comic strips. That's when I started learning about character and, and realizing that through a series of drawings, they could potentially move. And then I discovered animation and that was it. All right. And then you went to Sheridan College, which is, it. You, you were in Canada by this age, right? Mm-hmm. You're Canadian. 
Canadian. All right. So, uh, oh. and then you went to Sheridan College, which is one of the best universities for uh, animation in Canada. So um, I assume by that time you probably had a good portfolio and you kind of easily got in, right? Or how was it? I, I easily got into Sheridan. Yeah. But what, I mean, did you got easily got into Sheridan or, um, I mean, you had a solid portfolio or it was a challenge for you to get into Sheridan? No, it was pretty smooth. I, I got in right after high school, which I, uh-huh. I was told was, is rarer. But, you know, in, in high school, like my last year before college, I got a hold of like they would give you ahead of time the portfolio requirements. And then slowly mm-hmm. over a number of months, I just built up the requirements. And there were things like it was mostly life sketches you know draw someone Uh, sitting down draw someone in stride draw a portrait of someone and you know I just drew from my family I remember one of the portraits in there was my dad asleep (laughs) (laughs) so from the very beginning your family had a huge role in your career right (laughs) oh yeah of course I had my sister pose for me you know and I um I just built my portfolio that way a perspective drawing of a room you know all very accessible things I, I I think they just wanted to get a sense for your drawing level. Exactly. So for people who are listening, you don't really need fancy stuff. Just look at your surroundings, right? Oh, yeah. And pencil, pencil paper. I didn't have anything fancy. (laughs) No, not by a mile. (laughs) Exactly. Because, yeah, usually people, when they're gathering portfolios, they have like, I don't know, they have so much stress that they have to just draw difficult stuff from very weird angles or I don't know, you know, the fuss about making portfolios. So um, sometimes if you just be more open to your surroundings, I think you can just get in, right? Well, I think I think in the drawings should be a sense of earnestness. You know, I, I think you can tell when someone, maybe this sounds silly, but I, I think you can really tell when someone puts heart into something, you know, exactly. because if there's a lot of competition. I'm not going to say there isn't, but I think uh, you're going to college or university to learn how to draw more professionally, to learn the skills and, and to learn the principles. So I don't think there should be all this pressure to know all of these things going in. If you did, then what's the point of going to college? I think think a lot of the times in a portfolio, what's most important is that they see you and and what you're about and your story. And it's really kind of about being more vulnerable, not not worrying so much about what another person wants to see. It's more about doing it for yourself. Exactly. So you just mentioned something that I would like to ask as well. So uh, by the time that people go into university obviously that you you learn new things but by the time everyone wants to break into the industry the competition is so high so how does that work I mean how did that work for you to not really put yourself down or have this healthy competition with other people uh, in the industry especially like people who get out from Sheridan College usually have a pretty good reputation for getting into industry so I want to know like how was it uh, for you well Um, I mean, first of all, I'm not immune to getting down on myself. I mean, (laughs) I think every artist puts a a bit of pressure on themselves and can feel like they're not good enough. I feel like I hear this from everyone in my industry, from uh, newer folks to very seasoned folks. Some of the people I I admire most are way too modest and and they can be very hard on themselves. Um, I think for me, I didn't shoot straight to the top. It's not that I didn't want to. It's just the way things happen. 
happened in my life. I started from the very, very bottom and I slowly climbed. And I think that that can be very valuable because with every step of the ladder, I guess you could call it a ladder. I don't know, up, down, Mm -hmm. side to side, whatever. Every step in every direction, I learned something new and it was very incremental and it was slow, you know? So I think that's what helped me too. I didn't put pressure on myself to, you know, get into Pixar right out of college. It didn't even occur to me, you know? I started in commercials and I started slow. Yeah, you just point out a very good thing that it honestly doesn't uh, happen overnight and uh, it's really great to uh, be aware that you need to appreciate the journey and take it slowly and step by step, like baby steps. Sure. So you start with like commercial studios in Canada and then you also have like teaching uh, at the same time? Yes, yes. I I, uh, graduated from Sheridan and then I did a post-grad like a certificate at Seneca College for CG and this was something that seemed like the right thing to do because that's the way the industry was going very quickly and um, I wanted to understand rigging and modeling um, which now looking back was an amazing decision I'm so glad I did that but I will say that when I went into the program I did not take to it very well I, I loved drawing so much that to be working on a computer all day and adjusting you know splines and graphs to achieve animation, it was difficult for me. So I ended up TAing uh, the 2D animated animation students at the yeah. same time. And uh, it developed into something that was really great. And when I graduated uh, that certificate program, they asked me to stay on part time as the 2D animation instructor. So I did for six years and it was really awesome. So yeah. but, but at that time you were a 2D animator, right? Yes, I started my career as a 2D animator. And um, after a few projects, I just could not find the work anymore. I try. I thought maybe I would go to Europe to continue, but I ended up um, moving into character design, which allowed me to practice my animation skills, develop my design skills, and that's really where I stayed. So for the years that I was teaching part time, I was also working full time in the industry professionally as a character designer. Okay. So uh, how does that work? Like the transition between um, being an animator into character design I assume that now with the knowledge that you gain from being an animator you have more uh, I don't know having a perspective of an animator you kind of can right now when you are developing characters know what features or element to add to the characters to for example when they want to model it or uh, bring it to life and you know what I mean yeah I I think it's essential. Um, You know, 2D animation is where this industry started. So I think if nothing else, it's interesting to know the history. I think the principles valuable to learn in both 2D and 3D. And what's great about 2D is you're also practicing your drawing skills. So I would recommend to anyone, you know, at least take a course in 2D so you get a feel for it. Because when you go to design characters for animation, it's really nice to know how to also make them move. Um, And sometimes what I'll do is I'll back engineer. So when somebody gives me a character mm-hmm. assignment or I have to design, you know, a character, I'll think about, okay, I would love the style of animation to be like this. So what what shape language lends itself to that? And I'll, I'll work backwards from the movement to design instead of the design to movement. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. Uh, but you, when, when you were a, like 2D animator, you work on two projects that I really like. One is Curious <laughs> George, which is so adorable. And, uh, yeah. I, and I, I don't really know much people know about this. But um, yeah, I, I remember Curious George back in that time. Also Princess and the Frog, right? Yeah, yeah. 
path. Um, they were both out of a studio called Yowza in Toronto. So these projects would, uh, for lack of a better term, get farmed out. Like chunks of these projects would get farmed out to the studio in Toronto and they would have a roster of animators that they would call in to work on these projects. So it was kind of like contract work and you would get paid by the foot. So um, it, it was it was such a cool time. It was really, really awesome. Yeah. And Curious George was a really fun project. That was my first professional feature animation project. I and see. I learned a ton. Yeah. Yeah. But also Princess and the Frog is special because it was, I mean, Disney was bringing back 2D after so long. I mean, right. by the time that every movie was, again, 3D and CG, Princess and the Frog suddenly came with this special princess kind of thing, which is really <laughs> lovely. Yeah. 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 And then you got job in Inside Out and you got into Pixar. I mean, you uh, decided to move uh, from Canada to America or um, I mean, you get the job and then you decided to immigrate or what? how does that happen to just get into Pixar? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, oh, I don't even know if we have enough time left for me to tell the story. It was, uh-huh. it was no, no, I mean that more in like, it's all, it was not a, a straight path. You know? uh-huh. um, what happened was they contacted me to, gosh, I can't even remember anymore what really was it, happened. Was it Inside oh, Out? No, well, actually, I believe they contacted me. No, they did. Before Inside Out, they someone got a hold of the book that I had published back in 2007. Someone at the studio or several people at the studio, they gave it to Human Resources and I ended up getting, getting contacted by the studio Fantastic. to come down for an interview. This was like 2008 and on the flight over, my portfolio was lost by Air Canada. It was, it was too large to go in my carry-on uh, and they wouldn't let me I forget what happened no no it was too large for me to bring something and they made me put it in my luggage and I lost my luggage that's what oh happened my gosh. um so it was fine because at the time you know a lot of my work was online so I had my interview um but in the end I did not get the job so a few years later uh, ah. back in Toronto 2011 they contacted me again but this time it was to do freelance for Inside Out and I spent the better part of a year off and on doing freelance with Pixar and at the end of the year they offered me a job again and they brought me down again to interview again <laughs> and <laughs> I basically took it with a grain of salt I thought I don't know if this is gonna work you know but you know what they did they offered me the job officially and the beginning of 2012 they moved my husband and I to uh, San Francisco. Fantastic. They actually make a really wise decision by taking you <laughs> to the Pixar because you have this marvelous job on working on movies such as Incredibles 2 and everything. So yeah. So can, can you just, because we as, a, as an outsider, like we always think of Pixar as this dreamy place. So can you just describe a typical day at Pixar when you work? Like realistically, oh, with all the uh, tight deadlines and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, realistically, I mean, now I'm an art director, so there's definitely uh, a lot more responsibility, a lot more meetings. I, I have to say that I love my job. Um, it's so great. It's so cool. And I love the people I work with. That's the best part. So for me, I, um, I live in the city, so I have to commute over the bay or under the bay, I should say. 
<laughs> and uh, I get there and I always have my breakfast first and my tea. And uh, usually, depending on the project, we'll start off with a morning meeting. That's just to get everyone all caught up, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I might have a little bit of time to work. I always know what my goals are from day to day, design-wise, what my deadlines are. And I keep those in mind. But I have to juggle those with all mm -hmm. of the meetings. And for me, these are meetings across many departments. Meetings with animation, meetings with uh, the modelers, meetings with the shading folks, meeting, of course, with my production designer and the director to make sure that I, I'm, uh, we're collaborating properly and I know what the, the goals are, you know? Mm -hmm. um, really, it's a lot of meetings with a lunch in between and some desk time here and there. But uh, it's, it's really just a huge collaboration all day long. That's what it is. Wow. Okay. Uh, actually, in Pixar, every job is so specific. And uh, I mean, for every detail, there is a job, literally. <laughs> so um, I, I one that was so interesting for me was when you were uh, working on Incredibles that you uh, had to like, when you were actually doing the custom design on Incredibles 2, um, you were supposed to um, collaborate with this lady that I forgot the name, but um, she was doing this, what is it called? Not the lighting, the tailoring. tailoring. Taylor, yeah, tailoring, right? You're talking about Fran. Yeah, Come yeah, Fran, Fran yes. yes, exactly. Fran's exactly. amazing. Amazing. Yes, yes, she's a yes. she's a tailor. Um, and what that means, and oh my goodness, I hope I get this right because what they do is so technologically amazing. Exactly. Um, but, but essentially, yes. So art will design the costumes, and oftentimes the costumes aren't really designed separately from the character. It's part of the character design. Oh, but I right. pay extra special attention just because you know fashion is so much one of my loves in life. So especially mid century fashion, which Incredibles 2 is. So um, yeah, we design in art the costumes and then the tailors create them in CG. And it's wow. they are all tailors and seamstresses and they know the construction of a garment. They adjust the weight of the fabric. It, it's amazing what they can do. They can caricature the movement of a fabric. So depending on how realistic we want it to move, then that all depends on the style of the show. But they, um, they adjust all those parameters and and it's it's just uh it's been it was in, an incredible experience working with Fran I, and I feel like the clothing on it I too is just so beautiful I'd love to wear almost all of it <laughs> I, I, I agree actually honestly I I came to this term of character tailor ta tailoring leads for the first time I was like wow what is that so it's it's, it's incredible and for uh everyone who's listening uh Diana also have a great sense of fashion she's just I mean you're always gorgeously dressed and um, amazing I was actually watching your lives when you were showing your uh, vintage collection of your jewelry so I also got carried away and oh. I was thinking yes and I, I, I was thinking oh my god do, do you know that those um, um, shoulder brooches that you were showing with evil and uh, angel so I yes. literally was like wow I never heard about shoulder brooches before I want one <laughs> then, then I was thinking with myself I'm not going to wear them anyway to be honest like in here okay. uh, yeah I mean I, I really love them but in Iran it's just like uh, I can't wear those in the street you know so it's like no that's a terrible <laughs> idea I better not get carried away with that but yeah you have amazing sense of fashion and it's beautiful that you bring um, this your passion and your uh, sense of uh, 
uh, design um, I mean I don't know how does that work like is it is it like your personal life into your characters or from your characters into your personal life I think it's just kind of mm. both right yeah. yeah that's a good question it's definitely my personal life into my characters I'm always it, I feel like it's very natural to bring yourself into a project mm. uh, you know yourself best you live your life every day so some of that will inevitably spill into the project you're working on and when it comes to fashion I just have such a passion for it I, I can't help myself I'm always going to pay extra special attention to not just the kinds of clothing that our characters are wearing but how they wear the clothes I feel like you can tell a lot from a person by whether they uh, tuck their shirt in or leave it out or miss a button or button properly or the waistline of their pants or skirt you know there's mm-hmm. just so many things that you can so much storytelling that can be revealed through the costuming of a character and of course that's why they have their own category at the Oscars right costume design exactly um, yeah but I feel like it shouldn't just be relegated to live action film I think there could be a costume design category i think animated films yes please yes please we should tell this to any awards actually any awards has a lot of like categories mm-hmm. for maybe maybe you should bring that up we need custom design best custom design for animation well this is something that Fran is 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 very much an advocate for this is actually an idea that she brought to me a while ago and i just thought yes you're absolutely right <laughs> I I agree. I agree. And I hope that this podcast can spread this, um, I don't know, this manifested word so we can support that. So can you tell me like um, uh, one of the things that I love about your work is that you work, you just mentioned that you didn't really like CG that much and you love to work with different materials. And um, how does that work for you? Like, do you like, um, does that also come naturally to you? Like, for example, now you feel like working with markers, you just get some markers and do the character design or you just think about like maybe this character is better to be for example I don't know design with charcoal in order to be more expressive um yeah can you tell me more about this please Sure. I Yes, I play with everything. And it, it's really nice that I work in a place that allows, allots me the time to do that, you know, especially at the beginning, the conceptual stage of a character design. Mm-hmm. I, I need to play around with different media. I, I need to work in collage. I need to work with ink. I need to be able to switch from pencil to marker to, to sculpture even. Sometimes I, I find that when I stick to a medium too long, so if I want to do sketching with a uh, pen is my favorite ink and pen so mm-hmm. I'll be working working sometimes I can kind of get uh, stuck like my ideas will kind of plateau and mm-hmm. I find that when I switch mediums and I, I drop the pen and I decide you know what I'm gonna try collage a whole new world opens up you know yeah. uh, it just shakes things loose and it, it, it allows me to uh, use a different part of my brain so um that and also you know my my mom um painted when she was younger my father is a is a welder and a blacksmith he works with his hands um i feel like it's in my nature it's in my blood to work with my hands and when i don't use them for a very long time i feel disconnected to the work so i i really love to to get my hands dirty and messy mm-hmm. i never have my nails done because I, i'd rather be making art i, I understand yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, during the pandemic, you were h- having some lives making colleges and I was watching them and I truly love them because uh, I just
noticed that like the approach that you have to colleges was different from what I've seen before. Uh, the way that you were doing it was uh, actually seeing shapes and forms and patterns rather than just seeing the like, for example, cutting your head as it is, you know. Um, right. So, yeah. So um, can you just also tell the audience more about your collage process? Because I know that you love obviously you love patterns, you love details and you were mentioning that you are really into Persian art and Indian art so mm -hmm. which which, uh, which I was really excited when you said that so can you can you tell me more about like your college process because as you say you just like working with hands and it's fun yes I will um well first of all just to circle back on my love for Persian art and Indian art yes 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 um <laughs> I just I, I love the opulence and the colors and the patterns and the detail and oh you know and uh, this circles back also to my love of jewelry right I feel like they're kind of intertwined <laughs> I look yes. at a lot of uh, kings and royalty and I love they're just dripping in jewels. You know, it's like my favorite thing to draw. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as collage, yeah, I, my method there is basically, if you want to call it a method, I, I just kind of flip through magazines or mm -hmm. whatever I have and I allow the textures to, to kind of inspire me and call me to them. So like, like you said, if I'm designing, uh, collaging a character, I'm not going to look for eyes within mm -hmm. the magazine. Exactly, exactly. I'm going to look for for like a jewel or, or something that could be used as an eye in an abstract way. So I try not to collage literally. I, I try to do it more. Uh, yeah abstract and I, I flip through magazines with an open mind and I, I try to make interesting connections. When I was doing collage for Inside Out, I found an ad that had spilt wine, I believe it, it was a, a laundry wow. ad. And it was a, a wine glass tipping and the wine going everywhere. And I cut mm -hmm. that out and I used it to do a concept for anger. You know, because ah. it kind of just looked like boiling lava. You know, I, I, so I, think, I, I think. Have you posted on Instagram? Because I think I've seen few um, um, posts that you've had from anger that it looks like liquidish mm -hmm. kind yes. of thing. I actually thought there are uh, you use inked, but they're collages. No, I didn't know they're that. They're collages. Yeah. Wow. Collages. And a lot wow. of people think I collage digitally, but I don't. There, I collage by hand. And uh, yes, I don't post very much on my Instagram. I always feel bad about that. I have so much art. <laughs> I just never get around to it. The you older should. generation, I guess. You should. Yeah. Your art is amazing. So, but but for um, even those things that you've posted, there are so like uh, as we are talking, there have so much like um, your personality. The ca the characters are so great and so much. They are so colorful with so much like details, which is really lovely to look at. And sometimes at the same time, I just feel like there so simple yet so detailed you know at the yeah, same time which I, is, yeah i feel like you you you're definitely right i am um the, the the foundation i always try to keep very direct not too mm -hmm. overly complicated because that that um gives me a nice clean um foundation or platform onto which to build lots of fun details you know sometimes when the underdrawing or the, the the form underneath is too complicated then by adding more complication the design can seem overworked you know so it's nice to have a balance that way exactly and you're just doing an amazing job with keeping this balance it's lovely to mm -hmm. look at 
Um, so now that you are having a role as an art director, right, for um, Pixar, I want to just go a little bit like deep questions. Now, um, you know, it's really lovely to see that women are getting more um, roles as directors, art directors in the industry, which was not really happening some years ago. And it was really harder to be in this position. But now you as a woman like that, you are doing the art director. Obviously, you mentioned that there are so much responsibility responsibilities but how do you as a like um i don't know is is it like give you much freedom to have your own voice and your own perspective that usually maybe if you were working like i mean some years ago in other companies it couldn't be heard or um, your ideas would get rejected now you are in the position that you are more you have more freedom and you are allowed to tell the stories that have never been told so can you tell me that how do you do that like now that you are in a position that you are able to um, have more freedom to tell your own stories if I'm uh, if you get what I mean well I mean I think ultimately I'm okay ultimately uh, you know it's not my project right it's the okay. director's project so um, I don't I, you have to have a bit of expectation there, you know, mm-hmm. because ultimately um, my job is to make the director's vision come to life along All with right. the production designer, right? But yes. within that, um, and of course this depends on the director too, uh, but within that there is a lot of freedom um, to come up with ideas and present them to the director. And mm-hmm. um, I would say currently on the project I'm on, there's been yeah, just a lot of, of freedom that way. And um, such amazing collaboration. And yes, I have felt that my ideas have come to fruition. Like I've really been able to contribute in a very personal way. So I would say uh, from project to project, it varies. But Mm -hmm. again, you're you're always bringing yourself to your work. And sometimes it has to be hidden a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to be clever. Um, Other times you can be very overt and open and vulnerable and the folks that you're working with, they, um, they're very willing to let you develop these ideas and, and bring them to fruition. So it really depends, I would say. All right. Yeah. And your latest um, movie at Pixar is Luca, right? So it happens in Italy. You're half Italian. So uh, how about that? Like, do you bring that Italian flair into that work? <laughs> oh, did I ever? Well, I'm full Italian. So oh, okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, my parents are uh, from there and you know I even though I grew up in Canada I feel like the I was so close to my grandparents and um, the Italy that they left was the Italy of you know mid it was mid-century Italy mm-hmm. that's the Italy they left behind so I grew up in that Italy essentially because that's what they brought with them and that's where they stayed you know I so um I feel like uh, I'm very close to my culture and I'm very proud of it. And uh, I, I was really able to to embrace it for this film and uh, dig deep into all the things that uh, I was familiar with in my childhood and um, mm-hmm. members of my family and, and, and include them uh, into the film. So I've, I've it's just been wonderful. Yeah. So I'm super excited to see Luca and I just feel like you had a like great um, treat 
tribute to your Italian heritage into the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's been yeah. awesome. Yeah, looking forward to it. I also like to know, like, uh, because obviously working at Pixar um, has a lot of responsibility and also you're working like full time. There are a lot of meetings and everything going on. You're pretty much busy all the time. So I like to know how do you keep the balance between this work and um, life? And um, I, from what I've understood that you literally took your weekends off, which is great. So how yes. important is it for people to keep this balance? How do you do that not to burn out yourself? And because so many people do that. So do you have any like tips or how do you do that? Uh, you know, I'm still learning every day. My husband would probably tell you that uh, I still <laughs> struggle with it sometimes. <laughs> That's um, natural. But I am, I'm very, very, I, I keep uh, very strict boundaries around, yes, my personal time, especially now that we're all working from home, because sometimes it's easy for those boundaries to get crossed. So I um, am very protective of my weekend. I always, always, always take vacation. So uh, every year I will take a handful of vacations. My husband and I love to travel. We go everywhere. And if I don't travel every you know handful of months, I think I start to lose inspiration. I need to get out to collect more, you know, and the I world see. is such a cool place. So uh, that's important. Take vacation. Um, I try to stop working at the end of the day. So six mm -hmm. o'clock, 6.30 p.m., like any normal, you know, nine, nine to six job. Um, mm -hmm. I try to put boundaries there, too, and, and turn off all devices, relax, have dinner and conversation. Um, that can be very just regenerating, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And at work, honestly, yes, we are really, very busy. But I try to always take a lot take breaks um, at the studio we have like stretch breaks and tea time and um, sometimes it's hard to get these in but uh, it, it, it's just it's amazing what a 20 minute break from your computer can do especially exactly. if you're designing something that isn't working you, you have to walk away uh, a lot of times at the studio because where it is there's often nice weather I'll go for a walk I'll leave the studio go for a walk for 25 minutes half an hour come back get some fresh air so those are little things that I try to pepper throughout my day to keep me a little bit more centered and balanced and sometimes I'm not always successful but you know I, I do my best yeah I think it's really important anyway to just take these little breaks especially when you're like at the at your laptop or computer sometimes you lose the track of time and the back pain will alarm you that you're spending too much time on the computer yeah. so yeah exactly and I, I often I work standing too I don't sit oh do so. you do you <clears throat> Yes, I've heard that so many people have done that. But to be honest, I still um, I haven't tried it. I don't know. I've tried to actually upper my the level of my uh, Cintiq and everything a little bit more, but I haven't tried it. Should I? <laughs> yeah, you know, you may you don't have to stand all day. It's it's just kind of yeah. nice for your back to like work for a couple hours standing, work for a couple hours sitting, and if you're standing, get one of those mats, you know, that mm -hmm, are cushioned. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, not so hard on your back and your joints. But you know how it is. I, I feel like uh, it's easy to think, oh, you know, these studios, they, they pile so much on. They make you work so hard. But I think artists innately, when, you, when you're really inspired by something you're working on, we do it to ourselves. You know, <laughs> like if I'm yeah. really inspired and wanting to design something, I will sit and I will forget to eat, forget to drink water because I'm, I'm <laughs> too, too engulfed. And uh, usually it's my, and this is true for my personal work all the time. 
time. And it's my husband who's usually, you know, he'll walk into the room and be like, did you have lunch? Do you need water? What's going on? He'll make me stop. <laughs> Yeah, it's good to have someone to remind you, actually, you're right. Yeah, like when when this is your passion, you usually forget everything else. And this is lovely. Like, I I love how you say you love your job. You don't really see, you know, when you love it, you don't really see it as a task or a demanding job. You know, it's fun (laughs) at the same time, although it it has its own responsibilities, right? Yeah. And just to say there was a steep learning curve. I didn't always love this job. I, (laughs) you know, when I when I first got it, there was a lot to learn. But I feel like since I've developed a rhythm and I've gotten the hang of it, it's just a joy to do. But it's always difficult when you're learning something new, you know? Yeah. But even at this point, I just feel like you are so open to, um, to me, your art is amazing. But um, I, because I've read and heard from you saying that you're just trying to keep uh, improving your artistic st- skills still and trying to be more open to, I don't know, by traveling, get inspired by everything and just bring them to your sense of design and style and everything right I mean yeah. it, it, it doesn't have an end <laughs> never no it doesn't I, I almost feel like the, the minute you say okay okay I, I think I'm the best I, I I think there's no not much more to learn I feel like that's the day you've died as an artist yeah you know? that's it's just that's so such, much to learn exactly probably one or two more questions before we wrap this up so um you also had this I mean I I, I know we've talked about this, but you also had this amazing podcast, uh, Straight Against yeah. the Curve. So yeah. I, I honestly can't believe it was back in 2016. I was so excited when it came out and I was listening to it. But um, do you think you ever bring this back? I know you've heard this question a lot, but just one more time. <laughs> Oh my goodness! We oh, you know, I wish Zara was here to to speak up yeah. for on her her own behalf. Uh, you know, you never know in this life what could happen. Um, we did the five episodes, and yeah, it seemed like people really enjoy it, and they they listen to them over and over again. There's a bit of a cult following with that podcast. You know, you just I I will just say you never know. I I don't feel comfortable saying no, never again. Um, exactly. But I can't promise anything at the same time. So <laughs> we will see. Yeah, we will see. We are really, we really do hope that you bring them back, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, do you have anything else to add to tell people who really love, I don't know, they have this Pixar dream or they want to become a character designer or any like tips for people who really want to uh, get into the industry and um, I mean, having their own voice kind of thing do you have any tips for them yeah I I would say mine your life for stories you know everyone has Mm -hmm. stories so you can always start there and um, as you build your portfolio it's kind of nice to build it around an idea like that a story so if you think of something fun that a story you'd like to tell design characters for it the best characters are the ones that have a story behind them right so try to work that way and and just keep practicing keep drawing I mean it's important to take classes and develop your technical skills I have to say that you know it's Mm -hmm. it's a lot of hard work go to life drawing um, and uh, learn your principles 
principles and the theories and that will give you more freedom to do it your own way later on you know it's good to learn the foundation exactly and also do not uh, be afraid to fail and get rejected right oh no oh my gosh well yeah. look i didn't get into pixar the first time so yes yes um, it's a long way it's all part of life you know just uh, and later on they just become uh, more stories you can tell so you know you definitely should not be afraid to do a bad drawing or to not get into a studio or I don't even consider those things failures. Just consider them as a part of life and they're just lessons. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. So and just taking baby steps towards your goal and enjoy the journey. Right. Yeah. 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 So I just feel like our time is running up. So thank you so much, Deanna, for uh, being here today. I really appreciate your time and I truly enjoyed talking with you oh well thank you for having me i love talking with you as well thank you so much everyone for listening to this podcast i really do hope that you enjoyed this interview as much as i did so please make sure to leave a comment and tell me about your opinions so take care and i'll see you very soon